Plantation SDA Church presents The Bible Unmasked. Read your Bible daily and join us every Sunday at 7.30pm for our weekly discussion. From Genesis all the way through to Revelation, let's read the entire Bible in 2021 with The Bible Unmasked. Episode 17 of The Bible Unmasked. We are so glad you have come to join us again. Welcome. We are happy to have our beloved Pastor Dexter here with us. Praise God. Thank you. Yes. And my name is Elizabeth Thomas, in case you didn't know. <laughs> okay. So what is The Bible Unmasked? If you are new to viewing, this is our church, Plantation SDA Church, is reading through the Bible in one year. And we are doing weekly um, programs where we discuss the questions that are sent to us from all our all of our viewers um, and you can also send in a question if you um, are continuing with us and if you have a question in your reading I'm just going to give that number to you real quick that is 954-388-8780 and you can text in your questions to us. And then we, our pastors from our church, they um, do some weekly um, discussions of it. So um, we would love for you to join us on this journey with us. So Pastor Thomas, last week our um, pastor was discussing 1 Kings chapter 6 to 22. Can you give us a quick overview of what that was about? Definitely. And I thank God for all the amazing pastors um, and elders that, the, that, that our plantation church has been blessed with. Pastor Joe that leads out at the beginning of the month. Um, and then Pastor Jen and our principal, Mr. Rob. And then next week is our in-house scholar, Pastor McCoy. Um, last week, the presenters, oh my goodness, they just really opened our eyes. Um, we started with the ministry of Elisha, Elijah, which went through um, most of First Kings, you know. So we, we, we encountered Mount Carmel, right? We encountered him running from Jezebel. Um, and those are the experiences. We got to see firsthand that even a man of God, a man anointed and appointed, he could experience depression, you know, where he felt worthless and useless. So, so for, for those of you out there who think mental illness is lack of faith, you know, or it means that you're less spiritual or you're not connected with God. Think again. And what I love about um, First Kings and the journey um, Pastor Jen and um, Elder Rob took us through last week is the whole idea of you as a man of God, as a prophet, still struggle with human frailties. That's it for last week. <laughs> okay, great. Well, grab your Bibles with us now and join us as we go into 2 Kings verses 1 to 18. But before we begin, we do want to start with a word of prayer. And I'll ask you, Pastor, if you can pray for us. Father, God, friend, Redeemer, do your awesome thing in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. 
Okay, let me get to these questions that we have here. We're excited about this today. Okay, so we are in going to our first question, and it is in Second uh, Kings 1 verse 10, where fire was called down from heaven by Elijah, and it destroyed the king's men. When James and John in the book of Luke asked Jesus to call down fire from heaven, and Jesus scolded them, so what's the difference here? Ah, good question. And I want to say this fire being called down from heaven is so prophetic because you know it does happen, you know, in Revelation 22. It happens at the end of time where fire comes down from heaven and destroys the wicked, right? Um, so James and John, it sounds like they're mimicking everything that Elisha did. And Jesus is like, you know, scolding them. And I'm thinking, what's the issue? And it's important to understand when you're reading God's word that each act comes with its own context, right? Um, the, 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 even though they have a, a king, they have a prophet. They, they, they have a, a direct mouthpiece, as it were, um, from God. A lot of other Israelite societies, especially in the New Testament, they didn't have that experience like that. So for James and John to be trying to mimic Elisha, they're almost doing what Satan did in Matthew and Luke chapter 4, quoting the scripture and twisting it for their own evil demise, as it were. Yeah? So it's, it's really important that you understand context, and, and they wanted to just destroy people out of pettiness. And interestingly, it was Samaria. Just like in Luke chapter 9, I believe, or Luke chapter 7, it was the same Samaria. Jesus was on his way to Samaria. And this is happening also in Samaria here. Mm -hmm. See? So they were mimicking it almost exactly, but they failed to understand the context. And they were, they were validating their unholy, unhealthy spirit with scripture. And a lot of times people do that. All right, I'm done. <laughs> So we really have to watch how we come to scripture and then we come with a humble heart. Yeah, how you use it. Don't use, don't twist God's word for, for the demise of others. Don't, don't, you know, I grew up in the island where people, they would say, I'm going to read a psalm on your head. You know, Psalm 109, may his children be, be fatherless and his wife be a widow. Well, because David did it. So why can't I do it either? You know, it's using God's word for ill and for evil. Okay, let's keep going on to our second question here, which is in 2 Kings 2, 1, um, where Elijah is taken to heaven. Why was Elijah taken to heaven and not some of the other patriarchs? Wow, excellent question again. Wow, you guys are bringing it. I love it. Now, here's the deal with this, because you, you're looking at the, the only two guys that have been translated into heaven while they were alive. That's Eli, Elijah and Enoch walk with God until he was not because God took him right and then then of course you have um according to tradition that Moses was also taken up and you know um that's such a good question but I I my answer to it is it's 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 a message of hope and encouragement it's 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 a message of of restoration it's a message of a second chance as it were because you would think God needed to take someone absolutely flawless and perfect to heaven. Here's a guy that just had a nasty bout of depression. Here's a guy that was throwing, he, he ordered a cake, lit some candles, and was having a big old pity party. And God still said, look, man, you're my man. 
You're my mouthpiece. You've done awesome work for, 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 for me. I want you up here. Yeah? So it's a message of hope. That, that would be my why. Okay. Um, coming along with that also is what was symbolic about him appearing with Moses on the Mount of Transfiguration? Good question. Matthew, chap Matthew chapter 17, right? Yes. Um, our traditional view is that Moses and Elijah, Elijah sorry, represented those who would be translated and those who would be resurrected. That's the long and the short of the answer that we have given. Okay, good. Um, let's keep going here to 2 Kings 2 verse 5 where Elisha grabs the mantle. What do we learn about succession plans and mentorship from this? Wow. So, you know, it's, it's interesting because he called e e Elijah, called Elisha when he was working his father's oxen or working his own oxen, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and I think what you want to learn from this experience is a succession plan is crucial to carry, carry on and carry out your legacy. I think too often we hug ministry positions. I, I, I think if you've held the same position for year in and year out, I'm not going to blame you entirely, but I am praying that all the leaders that you would be conscientious about looking to train, pour yourself into somebody that could do what you're doing so that you could move on and do something even more difficult. That's how ministry grows. That's how the church begins to flourish because people stay in church when they have two hours, relationships and responsibilities. And a lot of times, especially new people, they don't get responsibilities that they find meaningful because certain positions are territories that are owned by certain people who have either been there for a long time or they have certain pedigree. Pedigree is not a good word, but you know what I mean. Um, so I think what I learned from, from, from um, him intentionally picking, handpicking someone to succeed his ministry is that it will not be carried on automatically. It doesn't happen by happenstance. The ministry would, 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 would simply um, it either die or it would be slowed down. And you think, man, it's God's work. God will just do it. But God works through our planning and our intentional um, enactment of, of, of people um, taking over from where we are leaving off. I hope this makes sense to you guys. Yes, yeah, so I've seen some of that in our church where I've seen some of our leaders are mentoring and helping out the youth. Love it. Yeah, like um, Colin and that with his film ministry. Love it. Stuff. Love it. Shout out to you, Big C. <laughs> I mean, double L. <laughs> so, uh, so if you aren't already, that's a, a something to um, a challenge. Yeah, very much. For you to pick somebody that you can mentor and help through their spiritual walk. Amen. Good. Okay. Let's go on to 2 Kings 2.15. And I'm just going to read it here. When the group of prophets from Jericho saw from a distance what happened, they exclaimed, Elisha's spirits rest, Elijah's spirits rest upon Elisha. And they went to meet him and bowed to the ground before him. Can you please explain this passage and what does it mean for someone's spirit to rest on another one? Right. So, well, in this case, in this case, they were talking about the, the, the power 
in which the power and the anointing in which Elijah functioned. They're like, yeah, God is with you in the same way he was with Elijah. And it's interesting because they needed, they needed authentication for his leadership. You know, because remember, he parted the Jordan just like Elisha did. He took his mantle and he was doing some of the same things he did. Yeah. And, and, and throughout Second Kings, you know, he, he raised up, he brought back a boy to life just like Eli, Elijah did. Yeah. So, so again, signs and evidence because they needed visible proof that God hadn't, that God had a, a succession plan in place for them through a mighty prophet. And this could be also interpreted in another way. This, this dude, Elisha was hungry. I mean, where else in the Bible you hear someone saying, give me two portions of your spirit. You, you don't find that anywhere else. Dude was hungry, man. And, and I like how Jesus said it. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. And the blessing is not in being filled, but the blessing is in being hungry. And he was hungry. He Listen, he, I mean, he was so close to Elisha, to Elijah. I mean, he was like a tight jeans on that brother. He was like white on rice. He's like, I ain't going to leave you. You know, Elijah was like, uh, stay here. Let me, let me, let me, um, let, let me go over there and I, I'm, I'm going to holler at you. It's like, uh-uh, I'm not leaving you for nothing, brother. He was hungry. Right. He wanted that power of God to flow through him and to use him just like it did Elijah and even more. Okay, let's go now to 2 Kings 2, 23-24. Elisha left Jericho and went up to Bethel. As he was walking along the road, a group of boys from the town began mocking and making fun of him. Go away, Baldy, they chanted. Go away, Baldy. Elisha turned around and looked at them, and he cursed them in the name of the Lord. Then two bears came out of the woods and mauled 42 of them. So here's the question. Elisha was mocked by children. Wasn't it too harsh for him to kill them? Shouldn't we be tolerant and merciful of those who may make fun of us, including children? Wow, what a question. And, I, I, you know, I have to blame Elisha, Elisha a little bit. Number one, he should have been like Shan and have a big afro. You know, nobody would mock you for that big afro. Okay, okay, I'm being silly. Um, it's, it's a cruel experience. It's an ugly um, narrative. And I want you to keep in mind, usually Bible stories are told to answer questions, right? The audience that the, that the books are written to have certain questions that the stories are answering. Because remember, there are hundreds and thousands of stories. Why have you selected these? And I am suspecting, I'm suspecting that that this bear event, as cruel and as ugly as it was, had something to do with, with the, the audience knowing beyond a shadow of a doubt that this Elisha was a man of power and a man of authority, that he had certainly taken over the prophetic role of Elijah. Because notice, Elijah was, was like a Moses for prophets. You know, so to fill those shoes weren't easy. And throughout, throughout, we, we see him doing even mightier miracles. We see that double portion working. In fact, in 2 Kings chapter 13 and verse 20 to 22, 
when Elisha had died, right? There was a battle and a man died and, and they didn't have time to bury him. So they just threw him in Elisha's grave. Never an event like this in any part of the Bible. The dead man lying on top of the dead prophet was risen back, was raised back to life. That's the kind of power that this, that, that this Elisha had. So I'm suspecting, and I could be totally wrong, but my suspicion is it has something to do with authenticating his authority and, and, and him being the successor to Eli, Elijah, which is why also it came early up in the narrative. Right. Okay. Okay, let's keep going on here now to chapter 3 of Second Kings, verse 15 to 16. Now bring me someone who can play the harp. While the harp was being played, the power of the Lord came about upon Elisha, and he said, this is what the Lord says. This dry valley will be filled with pools of water. The question here is, what's the significance of playing of the playing of the harp? Is it relevant? Wow. This this speaks to music ministry. And all, you know, Plantation, we have the most awesome, amazing music. Mm-hmm. And what it tells us is that music should not be primarily, I'm talking about worship music now, mm-hmm. should not be primarily for entertainment. I mean, we could get that from Whitney Houston. Could get that from Jay-Z. It shouldn't be for primarily entertainment. It should be to create an atmosphere where the Spirit of God would speak and thrive. It should be to create an atmosphere where demons tremble. So what it says is that the musicians also need to be sanctified, need to be anointed, need to have their lives set apart and, 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 and purified um, by the washing of the word. Um, and by striving to live under the power of God and not under the direction of their sinful flesh. You, you, read in, you read in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 21 to 23, that when David played, it drove evil spirits away from Saul. This is just music. This is not lyrics. This is not even words. And it's the same harp David played. So, so music, certain music could cause demons to flee. Certain music, music alone could create atmosphere where the Spirit of God can speak and, 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 and prophesy through his servants, yeah? So, so it's not the instrument only or mainly. It is the instrumentalist. It's the person to whom the music is being played through. And Eli, Elisha was asking for that experience and he got it. Okay. Good question there. Yeah, yeah. Good. They're going deep. Y'all are going deep. <laughs> okay. Let's go now, um, jumping to chapter 5 of 2 Kings. According to Jesus in Luke 4, why did Elisha heal Naaman, a non-Israelite, when there were so many other lepers? Wow. And, and, and good question, because in, in Luke chapter 4, and they, they, they tried stoning Jesus for this. They're like, you know, we're going to put you in your place. Why are you calling us? Why are you calling us out like that? Mm-hmm. They, they really thought, I mean, the Israelites thought God was, God was an Israelite, you know, and he was only for Israelites. And, and so Jesus said, look, um, Elijah, he went to a widow that wasn't in Israel to feed her. And there was, there were fa- there was famine in Israel then. The same thing. There's so much lepers in, in Israel. Why is he going to Naaman? Why? Because God is a God that wants to shine the light in dark places. Because God is not 
is not limited by your denomination or your doctrinal concept of him. God's, God's heart is to lift up the broken, the bruised, and the battered, no matter where they are and where they have found themselves in terms of their religious persuasions or not. I think that's why that was crucial. Could, could I take a commercial break? You guys, if you all have heard me, this is the fourth time we're doing this. And I want you to remember that I did some really, really, really fun work where through practical motivating themes, I take you through the entire Bible and, and I call the little journey discovering hope in 66 places. And I wrote a devotional, an online devotional that's emailed to your inbox every day once you sign up for it for absolutely free free some people get it for free and they still want a discount don't be like that y'all but you can go to innovativeoutreach.com innovativeoutreach.com and subscribe for that free devotional all right so check it out because i go through the bible through themes like like chronicles and kings i talk about legacy of my father doing better than my father um um like 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 for matthew i, I talk about becoming a servant leader um right now i'm doing the book of first john and i'm asking how does the lord how does the lord's light and love fight off darkness and depression and we've all been struggling through this pandemic right so i look for practical motivational themes for every book of the bible and i show you how the bible is relevant to your day-to-day -day struggles innovativeoutreach.com my advertisement has ended okay. thank you miss liz and I'm going to bring it back around again mm -hmm. <laughs> um, because what you said about Naaman is um, it really made me think how God really wants to save all of us. He's Talk to me. To seek and to save all those. And so, you know, this Bible Unmasked, share it with your friends, even though some people who may, you may think, oh, they are not Christians. They're maybe not interested in the Bible. You never know because God wants to seek out and save those people too. And what's going to be really fun, guys, please, this, I mean, this, this is our, we're ending our fourth month and we want to keep this thing going, but we want to build it up. Naturally, people would drop off. We want to reverse that natural process. So we want to encourage you, if you have a tight insight as you're reading, I mean, post it and say, hey, check out Bible Unmasked Sunday at 7.30 Plantation SDA. Boom. That's our church's link. We have some really insightful men and women of God just dropping the knowledge as we roll through God's word for the entire year. Do that. Share your stuff. WhatsApp, Facebook, um, whatever social media you use. Drum up some interest so that people's lives can be changed and impacted in a positive way. Right. We don't want to be that large population or percentage of people where their New Year's resolutions drop off. Amen. Right? <laughs> okay, let's get back to our questions here. Um... Going into, um, I'm going to read it here in 2 Kings chapter 6 in verse 15 to 17. And when the servant of the man of God arose early and went out, there was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots. And his servant said to him, Alas, my master, what shall we do? So he answers, Do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open the eyes that they may see. And then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Wow. Wow, that would be amazing to see. Wow. 
Does this, here's the question, give us a glimpse into the world of the unseen or hmm. teach us about spiritual warfare? Bring that question. Bring that question, Miss Liz. This is good. Yes. The, because there's no other passage like this in anywhere in the Bible. I mean, if you found one, then let me know, please. But I've not seen any other passage like this. You know, so here's the context, right? Um, the, the king of Syria, he, he keeps trying to attack Israel. But every place he comes to attack them, the king of Israel is ready with his soldiers there. So, so, so he, he has a cabinet meeting. He's like, look, look, guys, look, guys, something is really jacked up here. One of you guys is a spy because every place I go, you know, um, I, I, I go down to Gaza. They're there waiting for me. I, I, I go down to Jerusalem. They're there waiting for me. Every border I try to attack is as if someone of you is spying and giving him the insights into my next plans. And one of his commanders say, no, no boss, no man. It's not us. But there's a prophet named Elisha. He knows your very thoughts. He knows your very thoughts. And he tells the king of Israel when you're going to attack and where you're going to attack. Now, me personally, Liz, if it was me, I would, have, I would have stopped messing with Israel. You have a man like that that could read thoughts and he knows my next moves before I make them. I'm done. Mm -hmm. The king is foolish. He's like, let's go for Elisha. King, you must be dumb because Elisha then would know you are also coming. Hello. Anyway, all right, sorry. That's a digression. So he sends his soldiers. No, he sends the, like, like almost the whole army for one man. And they surround the little, the little house of Elisha, where he lives, right? And Elisha's servant gets up, and, and dude is like trembling, right? He wants, to, he wants to freak out because he's like, man, we are dead meat. And Elisha, he's like, you know, easy like Sunday morning, sitting by the docks on the bay. He's, just, it's like, he, he's like taking a chill pill. And the servant's like, man, what's, what's wrong with you? They're about to kill us. He said, Lord, and Elisha just prayed, Lord, open his eyes. And when God opened his eyes, he got a glimpse into the unseen world where the host of the Lord was, had outnumbered, was more great and powerful and more abundant than the army of the Assyrians. So he was able to be calm. He was able to probably say to them, bring it on. Right. And it reminds me of, 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 of what First John says. Sorry, I'm, I'm preaching a little bit because this is good stuff. Okay. It reminds me of what First John says. Greater is he that is in you than he that is within the world. Family, look, you and God, you all are always the majority, which is why I truly want to be on God's side. We're always the majority. You remember Auntie Ellen, I do remember the quote, but giving um, the context that if our eyes could be opened to see the unseen world, sometimes we'll, we, we will faint in terror. The amount of demons that are constantly trying to kill us, that are constantly trying to get us into accidents. If our eyes could be opened and you see the two to one advantage we have because the enemy only got one third, that there are two angels against one of them and they are striving to protect us. They are saving us daily from danger, seen and unseen. It would make us, it would make us bend our knees in daily gratitude for how God constantly rescues us. That's the power of understanding the unseen, which is why Paul could say in 2 Corinthians 5, 7, my favorite verse, by the way, we walk by faith 
and not by sight. Mm -hmm. You walk understanding that there are unseen, that there are unseen mysteries where God is fighting on your behalf. Talk about spiritual warfare. This does lead us into the realm of spiritual warfare. Because when you read Daniel chapter 10, right? Daniel is praying his heart away. Nothing is happening, right? Finally, three weeks, 21 days later, uh, um, um, the, the, the angel shows up with the answer. He's like, well, let me tell you why it took long. Satan was trying to stop me. But Michael, he stood up, you know, and he broke his hindrance. That's how I got through. He was describing spiritual warfare. That's what, that's what Ephesians meant. When, that's what Paul meant in Ephesians 6, verses 10 to 18, when he says, uh, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against wickedness, and rulers of the dark age. Gird your loins. You know, put on the breastplate. Get, 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 get the helmet of salvation. And he walks us through the list. That's spiritual warfare, which is why there's never a time you pray and you intercede for somebody. When you're interceding, you are entering the realm of the unseen. And, and you are interceding by faith, knowing that you, your prayer, your faith is dispatching angels to crush the plans of the enemy on your loved one's behalf. Which is why every day when I listen to the news, I pray over those bad areas. Whether if, if, if it's Af Afghanistan, um, Armenia, Yemen, the, the, the Tigray region in Ethiopia. God told me to do that. Because he tells me that my prayer, my prayer em em empowers, empowers the angels uh, and fuels them with power to stand against darkness. That's what Elisha prayed and that's what his servant experienced that's why that's why he could have moved with calm and not fear all right sorry guys I, i'm preaching i think i should make my altar call now well, but, but if that's preaching then i should say preach it brother <laughs> preach it <laughs> but yeah it's 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 encouraging yeah it's encouraging that that if god be for us who can be against us mm -hmm. that's the kind of hope i get from reading second kings mm. Powerful, powerful. <laughs> okay, we are down to our last question already. And it is in 2 Kings chapter 10, verse 19. Therefore, summon all the prophets and worshipers of Baal and call together all his priests. See to it that every one of them comes. For I am going to offer a great sacrifice to Baal. Anyone who fails to come will be put to death. But Jehu's cunning plan was to destroy all the worshippers of Baal. The question, how should we treat people from other religions who worship other gods? Wow. I know some of us would still like to do that kind of destroying like Jehu did. <laughs> um, but look, we don't live under the theocracy. Keep that in mind. And we have to always remember that other sheep he has which are not of this fold. That's the twofold answer I have for you. People that don't think and believe like you, God is still working with them. Again, that's the power of your prayer, that God would reach them, that God would use you to reach them. I love what, what um, Liz has been doing. This is my beloved wife I'm talking about. She's quiet. She's, she's um, introverted. But we were in the park um, playing the other day, and... 
And um, this little boy, he's like three, but he's Casper the Friendly Ghost. He's extremely friendly. He comes up and hugs Liz. Oh, my goodness. And his nanny, you know, she's like watching and smiling. And then he starts playing with Teliza. And, and the Spirit of the Lord just says to Liz, you need to connect with that girl and invite her to your midweek cradle roll. You know, the girl is covered with tattoos, you know, um, loads of jewelry. And, you know, it turns out she's just, she's a worshiper. She's a lover of God. She's actually studying to do ministry, you know. So, so you have to pray that you don't think because people believe differently to you, even though what you call um, you believing the truth, that it means they're not connected with God um, or God is not reaching them. The, the, the point of this is pray to have a compassionate heart. Pray to always um, pray to always have the heart of Jesus who is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Great. Powerful. Thank you. Well, this concludes our episode 17. And for next week episode, we invite you to read 2 Kings chapter 19 through into Chron 1 Chronicles 6. Um, and again, if you, as you're reading, you don't want to read it all at once, you know, spread it out. And as you're reading, if you have any questions, please text them to us at 954 388 8780 and we will um, answer those in our uh, weekly shows that we have airing every Sunday night at um, our YouTube plant um, YouTube channel YouTube um, plantation SDA or plantation SDA.com and again though that number is 954-388-8780 and next week will be Kevin Pastor Kevin McCoy we don't want to miss him and uh, Host Olivia Smith and Karina Edwards. Um, so, what is there? Could you maybe just give us a hint, a teaser as yeah, to what we might expect I was, I was, in those chapters? I, I was hoping you'd give me that invitation. So we're we're ro we're rolling now into um, into Solomon. Um, we're rolling into some stories with David, um, and um, and his kingly journey. You know, so you you don't want to miss that. Um, we would have been done with the with the reign of Elisha. Um, you'll be rolling into the ups and the and the downs of the kings, their sinfulness, um, them their repentance. And you want to read and ask yourself, why did this king succeed and why did others didn't? What 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 would inspire him to go down this road of brokenness when he would have seen examples where it did not work? You know, and allow the passage to penetrate your heart and to cause you to constantly yearn for more of God in your life. Great. Thank you again, our beloved Pastor Dexter. <laughs> and thank you, viewers, for joining in with us as we journey through the Bible in this year. Just to close, we'd invite you to pray with us now. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you again for enriching us and inspiring us as we are reading through your word. And... Um, there is so much around us that we are so unaware of, but we thank you for your grace and for your power and that you are um, a God who is searching out and wants all of us to be saved. Continue to bless us now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Plantation SDA Church presents The Bible and the Lost. Read your Bible daily. Join us every Sunday at 7.30 p.m. 
Genesis all the way through to Revelation. Let's read the entire Bible in 2021 with the Bible Unmasked.